Our focus must be riveted on the Savior and His gospel. It is mentally rigorous to strive to look unto Him in every thought. But when we do, our doubts and fears flee. When we draw His power into our lives, both He and we will rejoice. Kia ora and welcome everybody to the Doubt Not Fear Not podcast. My name is Catherine and I will be the host of today's podcast. I am joined by the beautiful Priscilla Ngatolowai, who will be our guest for today. She has served as a full-time missionary in the Cebu Philippines mission. She is currently in her fifth and final year of her conjoint degree of law and arts, double majoring in politics and Pacific studies and has completed an internship with the Ministry of Health in the Mental Health and Addiction Directory, focusing on the repeal and replacement of the Mental Health Act 1992. The focus of our podcast today is navigating mental and emotional health. Now, I feel like a lot of people figure out and navigate their emotional and mental health, how they see fit for themselves, and I don't think there is one right way on how to do that. What works for one person on how they figure out and navigate their mental health might not work for another person. So what I thought Sela could bring to the table was her perspective and experiences from her internship and from the other side of the system. So welcome Priscilla. Kia ora, kia ora To start off, have you seen parts of the gospel in action during your internship with the Ministry of Health? I just wanted to preface uh, before I give many thoughts um, and feelings are related to the topic of mental health and well-being that I'm no expert, but in my experience and my time with the Ministry of Health, with specific focus on the repeal and replacement of the Mental Health Act, I've come to learn, as Catherine mentioned, that there are many different ways in which people deal um, with the mental illnesses and mental distresses. My entire time there, I was there for the period of three months. I was located in Wellington. In that space, there was no sort of immediate um, reaction to me being a member jumping out like, oh, this is this way because my member perspective is this way or I see it this way because of the way I was taught. It was quite a natural thing to feel compassion. It was quite a natural thing to feel empathy for those who experience or who have lived experiences with mental distresses and mental health services in New Zealand. One theme that stood out predominantly in all the discussions was the importance of the family or the whānau um, unit in people's recovery and aiding their recovery. And at the time I was away from my family, I was homesick. And I thought, you know, make this move to Wellington, spread my wings a little bit and get a bit of experience. But um, I quickly realized that I loved my family, I missed my family, and that being around the mental health conversation and the importance of family really emphasized the, the teachings of the gospel, that family certainly was the core of the gospel and the importance of family is not only recognized in a religious or spiritual setting, but is also recognized culturally um, and across society that it is indeed the foundation of good health and so it was a great thing to recognize now that I was distant from my family and kind of how can we um, implement or use whānau members and friends to aid someone's recovery with their mental distresses. 
just touching base on what Silla had said about the importance of family being emphasised during her mental health experience at the Ministry of Health. I think it's important because sometimes as members, we think having a family is just normal. Being around, having a home with both mom and dad and all your family is a normal thing. So sometimes it takes going away from family to be able to see its significance and then being able to see how when other people don't have that aspect in their lives and it makes you appreciate having your family a lot more so I think that's super cool and if, if if I could add to that as well alongside family for, from western perspectives for such a long time spirituality or your atinana has kind of like a disconnect to your mental well-being western models don't see spirituality or a tie to religion contributing to someone's mental well-being And a lot of the discussions that took place and consultations really shone through the importance of having a connection to a higher being. And that comes from cultural perspectives because us Pacifica people and Maori people, we associate a lot of our beliefs with a, with a higher being or with Heavenly Father, um, so to speak, in our, in our worldview and in our, in our spiritual beliefs. And they feel that when we're connected to that, it also brings balance to, to one's well-being, to one's mental well-being, and it brings harmony. And that's something that's becoming accepted by Western views, is that religion and spirituality and someone having a belief in God and believing that, that their healing can come from that source is absolutely important and vital and needs to be recognized. And that's the aim of the, the repeal and the replacement of the act is to be all-encompassing of not only ethnicities, but cultural beliefs, spiritual beliefs, backgrounds, all of that. Being a member and being on that side of the system and being able to look on others, I know you touch base on not really having your member glasses on while at your internship, but do you feel it had given you a different perspective on the system being a member? Oh, uh, absolutely. I just wish to clarify that member glasses might be something that feels that needs to come off like normal ordinary glasses come off or like you put them on in a certain space or whatnot. But I think going back to that is a sense that um, I never felt like I had to put anything on or off because it was so embedded in my character. For example, just being compassionate, being empathetic towards people's views and thoughts and really seeing them through the eyes of the Savior as we went through consultation periods where we just see people for who they really are or for who the Savior sees them to be. And I'm not too sure what my colleagues are feeling in the moment. It might be just a checklist manner or just doing my job to hear them out. But at least for me, that's where I felt this part of me came in was that feeling of, man, Heavenly Father really loves these people. Heavenly Father is really mindful of these people. And that thought of be kind because you don't know what people are going through really came out in that space as well. Someone that looks absolutely just on top of the world, doesn't show signs. And, you know, depression, mental health illnesses, mental illness looks different for everybody. And that reminded me to be kind always, to see others through the lens of the Lord and understand people all experiencing different things and we don't know that until these consultations took place but it's important to just 
be Christ-like always. I know that's difficult to do. And that's something that I've um, carried on with me even after my internship is something that I've learned, in fact, is to have more patience, to be more like the savior towards other people because you just don't know. I think that's an important thing that Sil had mentioned. You just never know what people are going through and being able to look at them through the Savior's eyes. I think that's always important because the natural man in you, if you see someone acting out, you're kind of just like, oh, they're having a bad day or mm. they need to clean up their attitude. But I feel in a member kind of way, being able to look at them with compassion mm-hmm. and being able to see them through the Savior's eyes uh, and being able to empathize and sympathize with them and know that Heavenly Father knows what they're going through. And I feel with what Scylla's doing and the repeal and replacement of the Mental Health Act just goes to show how Heavenly Father's mindful of the constant changes of what people's going through. Oh, absolutely. I'm such a tiny part of the big team and I'm just a tip of the iceberg of those who have been tasked with the repeal and replacement and changing um, the face of mental health for New Zealand through legislation and through policy. But it's such an answered prayer for a lot of people who we may not know have been praying. In fact, when I was there, I had just a lot of family members that would message through and be like, oh, I'm so happy that a change is finally coming. Oh, we've been suffering for this for 15, 20, 30 years. Nothing has come about of it. And and rightfully so. It's it's 1992. It's outdated. A lot of changes and society is so different now in 2022. And the Lord hears our prayers. And through government, through those in power, through policy, through systemic changes, he answers prayers individually and, and, and together as a nation. And I think that's absolutely important is to recognize that the Lord's answers might not come directly to you, but might influence someone else as well to bring that change about, to, to benefit you, the, those who sought after his help. And so it's, I think it's a beautiful thing. And I recognize and my teammates recognize that it's not going to be perfect. Some people's views, some people's opinions might be missed out, but it's the idea of giving their absolute best and trying to answer prayers and to answer medical help and provide that help for those with mental distress. I was just going to mention how being a pacifica YSA in today's day and age, sometimes talking about our mental and emotional health is seen as weakness. It's been looked down upon and sometimes that kind of puts a hold on us trying to navigate it because we're like, no, we need a we need to stop. We need to focus on the things that are making us happy. And for a lot of people, that doesn't always work. We understand that, as I mentioned before, what works for one person might not work for another. And I think it's definitely comforting to know that the people that are working behind the scenes for the Mental Health Act are inspired, truly. Um, and they're recognizing the things that are going on and the changes that are happening within people. And it's nice to know that members are also behind it. So just to know that our values and our beliefs and our standards are being heard in that place, mm-hmm. and especially from a Pacifica perspective. So it's nice and comforting to know that Sulla's played a little part, however big or small it might be, to be able to contribute to that. So it's really good, really good. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. There is always room for more of us not only as Pacifica and Māori, but also as members of the gospel, the young, the YSA, those who have a 
real desire and passion to make a difference in mental health, to have a say, to get into these spaces that we can most times shy from because it's mental health. It's a taboo topic in our Pacifica and Maori cultures sometimes, and they're difficult things to talk about. But to have our voices heard and to have our beliefs shared and to allow it to influence uh, those around us who are directly tasked with the creation of policy that later turns into legislation is absolutely important. And that's an encouragement I give our YSA as well and those who are interested in a career in mental health is that mental health policy is, is where it's at. Mental health delivery of services is where it's at. Legislation is where it's at. Places and spaces and seats that give us a voice and an opportunity to advocate with our beliefs intact and with our beliefs to support that advocate truly makes a difference. And there's space at the table. We just need to occupy that. So if any aspiring people that want to go into the Ministry of Health, that's doable. And I, I know a lot of people are still navigating their mental and emotional health. And sometimes all you need is just to see someone that looks like you on the other side. I feel like that in itself is already a massive comforting, you know, feeling. And I just want to add one more thing as well, is that just because I had this mindset when I went into the to, to MOH, that it was all just people who don't know how it feels. You know what I mean? It's just people who have backgrounds and degrees and knowledge, expertise that work these fields. But when I got in there, I realized the emphasis they gave on those with lived experiences. Those were people that were actually affecting change, is that people who have experienced it themselves, who know what it feels like to be in that position, who have more than just a comment to make, who've had everything lying on the line at one time of their lives because of their mental distresses. And so again, for any YSA that might feel, oh, a patient can't make a difference, someone who suffers from it can't make a change, it has to be someone who's totally well, that's absolutely false. Honestly, I hope the spirit inspires you to know that you're worth it and that your experience is worth something and will inspire and affect changes. I did want to ask if there are any experiences that you had while at the Ministry of Health where you're just like, I'm grateful for the gospel. We're at a time or an experience where you felt this is the gospel. This is why we've been taught these things. Oh, <laughs> my entire time there. So specifically what I was tasked with was to write a massive research paper highlighting different models of mental health care and treatment that was available both in New Zealand and overseas in neighboring countries and around the European countries and how that is affected through legislation. And I wanted to highlight what the key features of these models were and how they could maybe used in New Zealand, considering our societal makeup, our multicultural people here in New Zealand and the different cultures that play, Pacifica, Maori, such a diverse bunch here in um, New Zealand. So how can we bring those outside influences and how can we bring it here? And the entire time that I was researching, there were so many hints of the things that we have been taught in our home, like the importance of working together as a family, working as a unit, the importance of listening, like rolling out the mat for rolling out the mat and talking. And that comes in family home evenings. I think for me, that was one of the biggest things. And that was a practice that's called open dialogue approach. But the, the approach is basically gathering family members 
and talking about issues, like mm. talking about what's wrong in the household. Yeah. How can we understand what someone else is going through mm. and attend to that and be more understanding and compassionate of the situation rather than leaving things question marks. And so when, when that was one particular approach that stood out to me that said, family home evening like this is what it is and they said like they had to bring someone in as a mediator to gather this family mm -hmm. and talk about their issues and I thought man how grateful am I that my mom and dad calls us in and says this is what's going on so and so is feeling this way mm -hmm. this is how can we help this person to get I was grateful that we didn't have to call on so-called professionals or mediators to come in and let my family talk about their feelings that family home evening provided a space where we were spiritually nurtured and also had family conversations that guided our thoughts and guided our feelings towards each other and that's only one example of the array of examples of hints of the gospel just stand out so vividly and another approach used was an adolescent approach which focuses um, directly on youth mm. and YSA and early intervention saying that if we um, intervene while they're young that they will be able to be geared with the necessary abilities to be able to deal with their mental health distresses should they face it in the future. Mm. And I thought about the youth and I thought about the youth programs offered at church. And I was like, man, our church has already been foolproofing, like future-proofing our youth. They've been trying. It's it's not perfect. And that's because everyone has agency to choose later on in life what they'd like to do. But the idea that our church leaders have already thought of the youth and early intervention vibes, preparing them from a young age to be able to combat yeah. what might come later in life mm. also shows how the gospel is so futuristic. We're living in the future here in terms of what our leaders have asked of us at such ages that didn't make sense to us. But when you see from this perspective, you could see the parallels it runs with the church and where they intersect as well and yeah. how we could make sense of the world in that sense from a, from our perspective as yeah. church members. I thought that was really cool that you mentioned that because sometimes we may take for granted the long family home evening. Oh, yeah. Sometimes we might feel, oh, this family home, this family home evening is dragging. Oh, man. <laughs> you know, like these lessons, these special thoughts doing going too long but it oh, provided us space to absolutely. be able to talk about our days our weeks what we have planned about how we're feeling yeah. and I've never thought about it as something we had to be forced to do as other countries are in in some aspect mm. being kind of forcing people to do that because they haven't had that space before yeah. and how that helps them navigate their mental and emotional health but mm. this is stuff that we've grown up doing Absolutely. This is stuff that we've been taught from a young age. You can see how the gospel ties in beautifully inside the system without us knowing it. Absolutely. And and, and that was a major part of trying to, to bring these different approaches because they're not existing in New Zealand at the moment. Mm -hmm. They're non-existent. And some might be just mildly practiced or a practitioner may have from somewhere else that it was a successful approach. Mm -hmm. And so they say, okay, uh, we'll give it a go. Yeah. But it's not officially recognized as a go-to practice in New Zealand. And those are some of the things where what will work here, given the resources we have, and all that all, all that in consideration and we'd hope that things that work here well at least we've seen it work in our homes in our families in the gospel we've seen we've seen the fruits of it we've seen when the youth actually take heed of the council 
and stick to it and hold on to it and carry it out. We see them produce fine young missionaries. We see them come home and get married in temples. We see them create their own families and the cycle of eternity continues because one youth decided, I like what's going on here. I see the benefits. And we hope that that's what it'll be like in mental health services is Mm. that they would see the benefits before they do away with it or just sweep it under the mat is that it has long lasting effects, not only for them, but also for their children's children, because eventually mental health becomes a cycle in a family. And um, it's breaking that cycle that that is also equally important so that future generations come out healthier and more aware. In some aspects, you can say that as members, those kind of things have become second nature to us. It's second nature to know that, oh yeah, Monday night's family home evening. Mm-hmm. Second nature to know that I'm allowed to speak to my parents and let them know how I'm feeling at a family home evening. And I think it's good to know for us why I say that we've been given the tools that we need to be able to help navigate us through our mental and emotional health. It's just being able to use those tools and put them into practice. Absolutely. And I think that's super important and it's a good reminder for us as YSA and as members in general to know that none of it's new to us. Mm. A lot of it we've been taught. For me, I totally forgot that family home evening can be seen as a space where we can talk. And now looking back on it, I'm so grateful for it because being a kid and if I weren't to have those things in my life, I feel like I would have to grow up holding all that stuff in, Mm. not being able to talk so openly with my parents about those things. And especially super grateful for the gospel to my parents as well, because they were um, able to be open minded towards the conversations that we would talk to them about. That's 100 percent true. A lot of those patients who deal with things such as anxiety or depression, the more common problems of mental illness is, is a lot of them has bottled up emotions that they weren't able to share freely. A lot of them held on to things that they couldn't speak freely of to their parents or to, even to their siblings. And the gospel teaches that in a home, it's such an open conversation and there is freedom. And I think that's why I am the way I am. Those who know me, I'm quite vocal about my feelings. I'm quite open about my feelings. And if I have something that I don't feel too great about, I always feel best when I've shared my peace and it brings me peace. Mm. And that's actually something that sprung from my home. We were not the traditional, we're talking about 20, 30 years ago, families where adults only speak, children take a back seat. We're not that family. And I'm grateful that we're not that family because the gospel brings understanding and compassion, empathy, and brings um, our parents, the Savior's eyes to see their children and to have a heart to understand how we feel. And one thing that I'm forever grateful for is family home evenings in this space. And I hope um, our other YSA members can reflect on it as well and, and appreciate it now that we're a little bit older and see it as a blessing rather than a task. Yeah. Because I know a lot of us for some time have felt that way. Yeah. You see things a lot differently when you kind of do a little bit of adulting. I hope the YSA know that there are people out there making changes, whether it's big or small. It's 1% each day. And I think that's important to keep in the back of your mind when trying to navigate through your mental and emotional health, to just know that someone's thinking of you. Someone knows what you're going through. And if not, and if they don't know, there there's people that are listening. There's people behind the works, putting in the effort, putting in the time to be able to make those changes, to make things easier 
to help more people understand what's going on and people understand the change and I'm making note of it and hopefully with all the hard work Scylla's been doing with her internship she's able to put forward all these um, new ideas and make sure that our voices are heard in the system so that's exciting to know. Just to bring our podcast to an end, I just wanted to ask, is there anything that you would like to share with a YSA navigating their mental and emotional health? Is there any piece of advice that you'd like to leave with us? Um, I know everybody has a day where they've experienced some sort of mental distress, where we felt like things aren't going our way. And I stumbled on this opportunity because I was having a rough day. And I prayed to the Lord and I said, help show me something that like guide me. You know, I, I was speechless at one point. I just wanted the Lord to show me what was best for me at that time. And my other background is legal. And I shared with Catherine, I'm at a point of my educational journey where I'm just gunning for legal opportunities because that's what I would like to head down to. But this opportunity came up and I remember when I wrote my application, I vented to this application. I vented my feelings. I vented as the same way I vented to the Lord for help. And I said, you know what, whatever. I submitted and forgot. And my feelings are gone because I spoke in, you know, what I thought to was spoke, speaking my piece. And later the opportunity came up and it was in Wellington. It was away from my family and my home. And again, I consulted with the Lord and I said, Heavenly Father, if you know that this is for me, I know you wouldn't have given me this opportunity. And I always know things, my personal revelations or the way I receive answers to my prayers is that things always fall into place. Like there are no hindrances. And that was the same for this opportunity. And when I went into that space, I quickly realized that the Lord was not only healing my soul from understanding my own mental distresses, but also putting me in a position to be able to speak for and advocate for my Pacifica and Maori people. And also to bring my experiences and my religious experiences, my missionary service experiences into this space. And so if I could share anything with you is that in the darkest days where you feel you're alone, the Lord hears you and he answers it differently. He provides a lifeboat, whether it be in the form of someone or something, or it can be an answer to your own prayers of an opportunity to grow. But whatever it is, the Lord is mindful of your experiences, your mental distresses. He hears you. He is working with those in positions to make changes to best accommodate your needs. And I know it's a very difficult conversation to have, but please um, speak up. Find those you trust. Find your Relief Society sisters, your YSA sisters and brothers, your priest and brethren, um, your bishop, your state president. There is so much help available out there. It might not be directly from your family. It can be outsourced, but the Lord hears you and, and he's providing a lifeboat for you. And yeah, there's space in mental health for us, the young, the bright, the eager, the curious. I invite you to seek out those opportunities. But again, thank you so much to the Doubt Not Fear Not podcast for having me. It's been my absolute pleasure and an absolute joy to speak of my experiences. And I pray that it has brought some inspiration and some comfort to those who might be listening to this. And thank you so much, Catherine, for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much to Scylla for sacrificing her time to be able to share with us her experiences in the mental health sector with the Ministry of Health. I just thought I'd leave 
with my favorite scripture, which I thought ties in pretty nicely. It's found in First Nephi 3, 7. Um, it says, For I, Nephi, said unto my father, I will go and do the things which the Lord hath commanded. For I know that the Lord giveth no commandment unto the children of men, save he shall prepare a way for them to accomplish the thing which he commanded them. I think it's important to remember that there's nothing that the Lord would have ever given you without already preparing a way for you to get through it. And I think that's always good to remember when you're having a hard day or a hard time and you're stuck with a task or circumstances that you feel like you can't get through. There's already a way prepared for you to get through it. You just got to wait it out all in the Lord's timing. And as the podcast says, doubt not, fear not. Thank you all for listening and hopefully you guys are back for next week's podcast. Doubt Not, Fear Not podcast series has been produced out of the Auckland Institute building with contributions from young adults across New Zealand. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend to direct others to this podcast or listen to other episodes in this series or to enroll in the Institute class associated with the podcast. See our website at doubtnotfearnot.podbean.com. This recording is not an official publication of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. The views expressed are those of the participants and are neither the official doctrine nor the official teachings of the church.